Mix reviews. Mix reviews. Yeah. Mix reviews. We're back, baby. We are back. Woo woo. What did we watch this time, Jack? We watched Parasite. If you didn't read the title. Also, sorry, it, it throws me off having a camera there. I keep looking at it. Yeah. It's fine. Welcome to the video version of the podcast. Video. We attempted the first two, but we didn't do it. It was weird. Those were like weird trial ones. So I think we've kind of got it figured out now. Hopefully. We've realized how bad we are at podcasting. <laughs> I think we've improved a little bit. We know what to improve. Yeah. Now that we've had to edit a podcast, it uh, definitely shows that we could change something. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how we do with the video. But uh, yeah, here we watch Parasite 2019, directed by Bong Joon Ho. Very good movie. I love it so much. We watched this movie for the first time during Oscar season in when it yeah. twenty nineteen. And I I know I loved it the first time I watched it. I remember the only thing I had with it was that I'm very well just as a personal thing that I didn't take away from the movie. One thing normally about movies with subtitles is I, I'm a very slow reader. So I have a hard time following along. But this movie, I actually, like, every, we watched it last night again. And every time I watch it, it's it's the easiest film to watch with subtitles. I actually didn't, it wasn't hard for me at all. I wasn't trying to keep up. But yeah, that, that movie is very visual. And uh, I, yeah. I, I absolutely love that. How, how it, you, no matter what language it is, you can you can see that movie and take away all the visual storytelling they used and, how great it, they really did like think of like mr bean how you can enjoy that anywhere and uh because he doesn't say anything this is a movie that i think kind of holds that up yeah i agree now let's get into the visual storytelling you love so much about it <laughs> right tell us a bit about of why visual storytelling is important um and what this movie does with it um, that makes it so good. Well, for example, I was pointing it out when we were watching it, is the the quite visual divided frames. He uses a lot of lines and a lot of... Um, well, he uses a lot of lines to, <laughs> to lines, show... Lines are yeah, good. In his frame to like divide characters or to lead you to look to something. Um, but the divided lines between the two... Um, they use the line a lot. Um, haha. They talk a lot about crossing the line. And that's a thing. That's some something that the Park family talks a lot about, especially Mr. Park, is the um, the crossing the line. And they actually show it quite visually in the film. It's it's quite subtle sometimes. Like I didn't. I definitely first time watching it didn't see it, but sitting looking for stuff talk about it, i definitely noticed it but Can you give an example of that yeah one of the first times you see it in the movie is when um king woo king woo ki woo goes to interview for the job he sees um 
the housekeeper goes outside to Mrs. Park and she goes to wake her up and she cross there's the line from the glass. Oh, like the window pane? The window pane. Right. You see the line from it. And the two are divided from that line outside. And she reaches over it to clap and wake her up. Oh, really? And that, I thought that was a really great example of the someone crossing the line with their actions. And they showed it visually. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And uh, they, they play in that whole movie, um, that whole crossing the line thing, right? With Mr. Kim, the the dad from the Kim family on how he almost crosses the line over and over and over again. And especially with the smell. Yeah. So the smell crosses the line. It's actually said in the film by Mr. Park, right? Is just when you think he's about to cross the line, uh, he doesn't. I love that you can see that Mr. Kim is, is like walking that line too in the visual storytelling. Like when they're in the car the first time, I think it's when he's testing him with the coffee mug, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And Mr. Kim asks him, asks Mr. Park about his wife. And then they have their little chat. And then he's like, oh, but you love her, right? And you can see that the kind of like upsets Mr. Park a little bit. But then he pulls it back, right? So that's within the acting, the visual storytelling of what you see in the characters' faces, not just the dialogue that they're having. You can see that what's being said or what's happening in the film is affecting these people without the need to explain it, which is another little aspect of visual storytelling that I find fascinating is the performance of an actor over just cinematography, which is phenomenal with you mean which you're you were saying about the window pane. I love that this film is able to express your character emotions through their faces rather than oh, he said this about me and I'm don't like it you know it's it's all visual it's all you're taking it in with your eyes rather than with your ears and that's pristine filmmaking if you ask me and there's lots of times in the film as well that they they tell you stuff about the characters through visuals so like in the beginning especially in the beginning especially with the kim family they introduce to you their poor even just with the opening shot but throughout that whole opening sequence there's so many little things and even in the acting as well in the dialogue that is there but so many just visual things looking at their house looking at um the things they're doing and how they hold themselves their outfits but just so many visual things there that show you that they're poor and it it's all it's all there in the story and and that just i love how they set that up there's so many things like that in this movie Another like there's other examples too like um, I love the the little montage after they've left for the camping trip. You see the Kim family just there so comfortable, and that the whole little montage is just all visuals. It's just of them around the house doing all these things. She's in the bathtub. They're outside playing with their stuff. It's just things like that where it's just all these visuals that like tell the story without having to have dialogue. And I, I just think there's so many so many examples I could go on and on in this film that tell a story without having, even if it is voiceover underneath, you get it all through your eyes and you don't have to be reading the subtitles. You can just look at the screen and you know what's going on. And that, I think, is very... It's tough to do at times, I think, as filming. I had a very hard time doing that myself with films, but I think it's when it's done well... 
it's it's good filmmaking, and it's very apparent when you see it. I agree. Now we we always go on and on and on about whatever film we're talking about. Batman, we spend most of the time talking about what we didn't love about it and issues we found with it. And I feel like this movie is going to be quite the opposite because it's so well done. The storytelling is, in our opinion, very, very well done. It's just solid, to say the least. So, as my job on the podcast to find things that I didn't like about it or that, from a filmmaking standpoint, were a bit lackluster or subpar, uh, it was very difficult to find those moments in this film. So, just as a heads up to our audience, in this one, a bit different from the last two we've done, we're going to look at negative reviews made by other people on the internet kind of as source for what this film could have done better. And we can talk about what we think as someone who may have a bit more um, background in story writing and, and filmmaking, yep. uh, our opinions on them. It was fun to kind of go on Letterboxd and IMDb and look at these really just poorly written and dumb uh, low reviews. But I think we found quite a few that like actually had something to say. Lots of them just were like, oh, it's bad. Tell me a bit more about what you noticed in this film that you would say would be excellent filmmaking. Could you maybe let's go category. Let's try writing. What do you have in the writing category? Lots of the things in the writing that like stood out to me and I loved were lots of the foreshadowing in the movie. So um, things like uh, things like even just like in the beginning they set up kind of that these 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 people are basically con artists. They're swindling as much as they can. They're trying to cut corners. Even just in like that first scene. They're using someone else's Wi-Fi. They are, well, I guess it's technically probably like the second or third scene, but they're cutting, finding the cheapest, easiest way to fold these boxes least amount of time. They pull up some video, and then when they're giving them away, they're like, it's done wrong. They swindle the girl into still giving them the money for it. And just like they set up these characters to be con artists, like not subtly, but they... They give it to you right away without you realizing how important it's going to become. And then once they're given the opportunity to get this job, then it's like, oh, I see. And I think that was a really good setup to this story was showing you this family. You get to see them as con artists, sort of. And then now it's their baby. Ah. You know? They've completely changed their lives, right? I always thought it was interesting watching what went from just a tiny... I always thought it was interesting just seeing what went from just a, an innocent little like tutoring gig. Right. You know? It's like, hey, you don't need to know too much stuff. Why not just go tutor this high school girl? And then all of a sudden it turns into you know, the sister getting in on it. And then all of a sudden she gets the dad in on it. And then the dad gets the mom. And then all of a sudden like people are dying you know it's kind of interesting how from a story standpoint 
it's if if you try to pitch this script to someone it's like what how, how are you going to sell that to someone but it it's done really seamlessly it's done so well by balancing i think the economic state of whatever world this is in mm-hmm. i would say it's our world right like yeah. typical um, south korea i'd say and not that i've ever been or know the culture very well but that's going to be my assumption but this movie. within this world i think it does a great job at expressing these people as you know it i wouldn't necessarily agree it, it's like saying poor people are evil and conniving and rich people are innocent and dumb and like susceptible to being conned i think well, I'd, I'd say even the bad the rich people were bad in their own way in that movie. yeah but not saying that that's every person no but i think it does this plays into some of the reviews we we read more so is a lot of people kept saying that it's unrealistic. It paints a bad image on people who are in a rough time in their lives. So I think, in an essence, it's pretty interesting. I think it did a good well of showing the story of these specific people. They might not be everyone else. But just the people who are so poor that they're willing to do anything to get some money to the point where they're forging documents and tricking manipulating people to do it and then on the other side this rich family that cares so little about anyone but themselves that they can't see that they're being tricked by multiple parties (laughs) not just the kim family by the people already there and it's it is two two parasites add each other that make this a i think what would be a believable story and i i I don't have any qualms with the believability of it because it the storytelling sold i was never taken out by the storytelling onto the topic of writing i did have an issue with believing the kim family had all these skills yeah that managed to keep them in the house so so for so long more so, you know, maybe uh, Ki Woo being good at English is is good enough to keep him as a tutor, right? But the the daughter tutoring the young son, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, um, tutoring him as an art teacher, but then spinning it off into like, oh, I'm an art psychologist, also a bit believable. But Mr. Kim having 20 plus years of driving experience and knowing how to drive a vehicle so well that he physically is able to pass like the coffee test is like, okay, maybe. But then the mom coming in as the housekeeper, that to me was like, it's like, okay, there's no way she would hold a job for longer than a week as this housekeeper. Because you look back at their house that they lived in and she was always cleaning it. I don't know if you caught that. Every pretty much every time she was in that house and not eating together as like a whole family, she, she was, was scrubbing, clean. she was cleaning, but it never got any cleaner. Right. You know. That might be symbolism for how no matter how hard they try to clean, they're always going to be poor, they're always going to be disgusting, right. which was a motif throughout the film anyways. Yeah. 
exactly but if that's kind of the state of this woman's cleaning i find it hard to believe she would have been kept on as long as she did which also i i think man i i should have written down names and figured them out because i can't remember anyone's name. the daughter of the kim family it's gonna bug me that i don't know the name i think it was key key young key jung jung i think so i it's worth looking up but we're already in topic um she was making up all the art stuff and maybe yeah she probably could have sat with him but um well this is also a good little foreshadowing thing sorry to like take no go ahead probably move on to something else but i thought it was pretty interesting something i didn't catch the first time i watched is she points out that what she's coming up with all this on the spot she admits to later is that she calls out that this one symbol maybe means he has like trauma in his past which i never caught but she's like totally referring to the the, like the ghost incident i guess when the guy comes up from the basement which probably one of my favorite shots in the movie let me say yeah so dope i agree i think genuinely that whole sequence where she's expressing to mrs park uh this kid's artwork and she's totally she's got to be reaching right like Oh, the bottom right is the schizophrenia corner where odd shapes manifest if the child's ever had any past trauma or anything like that, right? And then just kind of without without any base, just threw off, has anything happened to him in the first grade, sets off the entire ghost thing. And really, you can tell something's changed with Miss Park as soon. Like, I mean, they flip the axis and the whole thing, which is a really cool visual way to show it whoa what other kind of standout categories did you notice this film had that you wanted to note i wouldn't i wouldn't know if this maybe it was something that's sort of related to writing but um to me this is more of just a um i don't even know where it wouldn't fit but it's um when it dealing with um like symbolism in films and um uh, film kind of thing is motif if you don't know what it, did we talk about this i can't remember if we ended up to talking about this in the first episode we may have mentioned motifs but quickly explain it a motif is basically something like repeated in a film a symbol repeated in a film that gives it more meaning and kind of um brings it towards like the overall theme of the movie so it's just something like subtle a some subtle symbol that's brought throughout the movie that kind of gives that symbol meaning to the point where it stands out and it it, it it's noticeable to the audience and it means more than just like a coincidence or a symbol or an item um an example of that in this film um there's two really good ones that um really stuck out to me and i i noticed it yesterday watching it and i really wanted to talk about it so it, it may may kind of still be underwriting because this was would something that came out in the script okay yeah but um the first being the rock that um it what it, it's known as in my notes it's known as a viewing stone it's something that um like ancient scholars would have had and passed down because it's like a naturally formed rock that's like looks really beautiful that they would have kept, and they he um, Ming 
is it Min or Ming? Min. Min? Yeah. Min says it when he comes and hands it to him. Is like, these are known to bring wealth unto the families that possess them. And that's um, as soon as you see that um, Kiwu is like instantly clicked. Because his whole thing in the film is his desire for wealth, right? And for prosperity. You even see it in his fantasy at the end there um, when he's dreaming of buying the house. The whole film, he just wants wealth. He wants to be these people. He doesn't know if he'll fit in. But this rock is the visual manifestation of that on the screen. It when as, as soon as he gets it to um, pretty much when he's killed by it <laughs> at the end in, in the who knows if it's a fantasy or if it ends up happening. But in his dream, as he's writing that letter, you see him finally give it up when he has that wealth. But. Well, he says, I think, is it when they're in the gymnasium? Uh, after their house floods, he's 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 clinging on to the rock. Yeah. But his, he All, says something interesting. He's he says, um, it's like it's stuck to me or something yeah. along those lines, right? And that's kind of interesting that this rock. It was the, it was one of their lowest moments, and he's really clinging on to it there. Right. And he's clinging on to it, but he also says it clings on to him. And as you mentioned, it's a physical representation. It's a motif of his desire for wealth yeah. his desire for success his desire to be an upper class yet it sticks to him it's a rock it's heavy he can barely lift it right he can it's shown a couple of times he can't hold this thing well he can't move with he it doesn't very well. oh yeah he doesn't he doesn't fit in its in and it at the much. end of the film it kills him potentially it it crushes his head right so that's a very interesting in a very well done usage of the motif of this symbol as a filmmaking tool to show that yes this thing exists this thing in one term to some people represents wealth and represents good tidings but for him it's physically weighed him down it's physically kept him from mo like mo mobile wise he can't move with it and at the end of it it crushes him so his own desire for his own wealth and his own desire for wanting to be successful kills him. Well, it's at the end too. What he well, because what it turns into at that point. If I I will say, I recommend watching the movie again and like looking for it because it's really cool once you realize it. But and that moment at the end when he goes, he has the rock of their house and he goes to go kill the people living in the basement. He's using that to go, he's getting greedy and he's going to kill them so that they don't expose their foolproof plan. And that's when it backfires on him and he ends up getting killed by it. Because right. he's trying to do something out of his power to keep these people silent and it's too much for him and then it gets flipped on him. Yeah. Any other symbols and motifs you right, want yeah, to point Right, yeah, so... The second one is quite obvious is the smell, especially with uh, K-Tech because it, it definitely affects him the most and you can see it affect him the most. Um, but um, Mr. Park always comments on that smell crossing the line, the uh, radishy, um, wet, damp cloth, subway smell, however he describes it. But that comes, it, it starts when the kid first smells the smell. It's like, you smell the same. And then he mentions it in the car. And then he mentions it when they're hiding on the table. And you just, 
berates him and he doesn't he has no idea he is but um mr kim is under the table just getting berated by him making fun of his smell and it's it you might be like but jackson what does this have to do with anything it's because it's almost like uh I, they say it when they're uh when they say it there's some line in, when they're alone like at their house or something where they said it basically they mention it being they're poor they're, they're not going to get rid of this it's, or, no she says it's just the smell of this house we're never going to get rid of it as long as they're poor they're gonna smell like this and it kind of represents his un their inability especially contacts he texts um they're all stuck to this wealth or this wealth to the poverty that they can't escape it and they're they no matter how much you scrub or clean they're they it is what i guess not i was gonna say visually it's not visually what what, how would you, or uh, not orally, uh, nosily? <laughs> Is there a word for? It's, yeah, I would it's say it's a representation of of their poverty. Their poverty is their stench. It's what sets them aside from everyone else. Is that stench, and um, him constantly being reminded as good as good as everything is going he's always reminded of that smell and especially when he's getting like berated in that scene at night when they're hiding on the table um but at the end there when um when uh king kijong is dead you're bleeding out and they've just stabbed the the guy that was hiding in the basement he lifts he lifts up the body you get the car keys and he you see him slow-mo shot of him plug his notes like, oh. and that's that's the point for him where it's finally just like he can't escape this smell and he finally breaks um, and that's when he goes after him and kills him it's just fine it's his, it's like his breaking point so his one like insecurity his one tie to poverty that he has he can't do anything about really i just i think it's a really cool way to show that not like with um kiwu and the rock it's they're never going to be able to get it and it's that breaking point that finally takes him to we're always going to be poor this we're not we don't belong here because there's smell i just i i think that both things really climax the movie for especially those two characters with him being uh, Kiwu being killed and Kitek um, killing and then hiding. It's a great way to kind of wrap the climax. What did you think of the end? Um, I will say I did I did enjoy definitely parts of it. I liked how um, I liked how it kind of summed up and brought back stuff. Like, for example, like the Morse code of how, especially for Kitek's arc, sort of, now he's stuck in the basement. He's low below. After seeing the guy that was out down there, he's like, this is disgusting. How could you do this? And now he's the guy leaving Morse code messages. He's the guy sleeping in the cot, eating gross, well, using cat food, right? Like, he's just eating gross, scrounging for stuff in the late of the night. 
he's finally hit such rock bottom that now he's at that level of the guy squatting in the basement. And I just liked, I guess, his little fantasy of wanting to achieve that wealth one more time and um, get the house and get all that. And then you brought back to that. It's the same shot as the opening shot. And you're brought back to reality and he's finished writing a letter. And I thought that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really into that beginning and end shot kind of topic that's really big with with filmmakers and everything. But wouldn't be mixed reviews if I didn't express why I didn't like the ending. Right. Why is that, Tom? So big reason I didn't like, I think I would say the climax, like with the slaughter fest at the birthday party. There to the end, sort of? The end is okay. Like, I like how it ended. A little bit of, um, a little bit of, you don't know how it's ending. Mm-hmm. There's still a little bit of interesting hope there, but you don't know. I like how it was a little bit of, you don't know how it ends specifically, right. but everything leading up to the ending is it is good, like, Finding out that Mr. Kim is in the basement. That was cool. I did like that. I just didn't like how he broke. Right. I know you mentioned there's a huge thing with the smell thing. And that has just been clobbering him through the whole movie. Is the fact that he smells like poor person. It's never stated. But it it's meant to suggest that he smells like a poor person. And he doesn't fit in. And it's being noticed. And that's kind of stressing him out. And he's just getting hit over and over again, and it breaks him. Enough to kill Mr. Park, to me, is a, is a reach. It is a very theatrical movie. Can I maybe add why I think? Maybe sure. something yeah. else that would go to it, if that's fine? Or do you want to finish your answer? No, I mean, that's basically... I just didn't believe that it would lead to him dramatically killing Mr. Park. I think especially from the beginning of the climax when they're behind the bushes and he's like that crossed the line. It's just I think that was very the whole thing was pretty intense for him. And then especially when, you know, he um Ki Jong is dead and he's more worried about Mr. Park is more worried about his son that's fainted, that he's just completely dismissed his whole this whole family, this whole Kim family. And is more like more worried about being disgusted by the smell and his kid that he doesn't care that this their tutor just got stabbed and they're all running to go help and all this stuff. I just think that may be added towards it, but I definitely can see a little bit of that being a very Jurassic change. Dramatic, I guess is probably a better word. Yeah. And I can see that for sure within the sphere of the world, right? Like you can tell that the whole film's been over dramatic, in my opinion. Like the the high opera music that goes on with the slow mo montages when they're when they're basically sabotaging the original housekeeper with the peaches. That whole sequence is all very like high and dramatic and slow. It's it fits within the world. His his jump from just being really annoyed and kind of hurt to murderous intent, right? So it, 
in the aspect of the whole movie, it could be believable. But if you're someone who's not super in tune to the ongoings of this cinematic world that the directors built, you might look at that and be like, oh, well, I would never do that. A lot of viewers, I find... You're relating to yourself. Yeah, a lot of viewers do that when they watch a movie. They're like, what would I do in that situation? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And at the very end, you get to that one giant climax moment where a lot of viewers, in my opinion, might just look at it and say, oh, well, that kind of, that's weird. You know, it it goes against the, the tone of the film, which up until that point is very suspenseful and very more so dark, but that's a very bright, weird, and violent scene versus a rather it's more violent than like suspenseful yeah exactly that's a very good way of putting it which i in in hindsight you look at it the film's name is parasite parasites are they latch on you and most of the time you don't understand a parasite is even there until too much damage has been done to reverse it which i guess saying that kind of defeats my purpose but devil's advocate, I think it's important to consider that when making a movie. When you're making a movie, consider how your audience will feel, even if it goes against what you think you're the movie needs. There's, so, there's definitely times I've been people like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. And, does, and I keep hearing, keep hearing, I'm like, yeah, but it makes sense to me. Or I always have to like stand back and go, okay, wait. I'm maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe yes, it doesn't make sense and it's gonna throw people off. Yeah. What I notice a lot is after well, we've both been through film school. We've both been through education on how movies work and how to make movies and what goes wrong on movie sets, right? So we have that kind of little key to the little viewing window in most films. So we see things and go, oh, that makes complete sense after we've spent three years in a textbook learning about why it makes sense, right? But then I'll go home and watch a film with my mom, and I'll be like, this is a great movie. You're going to love it. It's super cool. And then my mom will sit there and hate it Yeah. because it's not obvious. It's not clear. I get the reverse as well where my parents are like, oh, look at this really good movie. I'm like, it's, it's terribly made. But they look way past that. We're not looking about how something's made or how it is. We're looking at how can I relate to this. Exactly. And that's a kind of what I'm trying to do when I watch these movies is turn off that part of my brain when I'm looking at things like that to clue in. And another, while I'm I'm going on here, another thing that took me out of it, Parasite has a lot of barefoot on tile and barefoot on concrete that was just so loud in comparison to what it would actually be in the real world. And that, to me, is a mistake. As myself, kind of an amateur filmmaker, but still filmmaker, uh, I would have all those footsteps like a little bit more quiet so you can still hear them, but so they're not just like... It's very... it. It's distracting. My famous tagline here, it takes me out of it. It takes you out of it, wow. Because then I'm more focused on 
oh wow his feet are really loud on those tiles versus oh he's running from this crazy dude from the basement you know what i mean as a as a filmmaker you want to give your audience what you want them to see now if the director wanted me to hear the footsteps above everything else going on then he succeeded (laughs) but for me i hated hearing those footsteps when there is a lot going on because i was like okay that's too much footstep it's too loud and then for consistency's sake in scenes where the kim family needed to be quiet the footsteps were very quiet despite the movement not really changing right like their weights don't change the atmospheres don't change but the footsteps changed sound versus three days ago they were doing the same kind of movement across the floor but the footsteps were like dinosaur loud it's a big thing right that if you notice those things, it's usually an issue, especially for me, because I was kind of all I did in my last year of college was footsteps and ambience. It was like my whole, whole so you year. you especially hear it all the time too. Definitely, that's probably the one thing I pick up the most now out of everything is like, like the clothes rustling or the It's if. I will say one time when I was working on mixing a film and we soloed just um, just listen to the Foley sounds by themselves so we didn't hear anything else. It was almost like listening to ASMR and you just hear the, the yeah, not the lip smacking, but the clothes wrestling. I actually, I actually had to do lip smacking one. I worked on this one project in my, my post-production year. Mm-hmm. I was the sound effects lead on it. That's a bit of a step away from Foley, but kind of a cool little anecdote. Our sound effects, and there's a character who's kind of like a monster, weird like fingernails and stuff. Our note from the director was, he can't sound human. He needs to sound like a monster, even though he, it's kind of like looked a little goofy, right? So I'm like, okay, sat down with my team. I'm like, okay, how can we make this guy scary when all he's doing is like eh, on on like a piece of cardboard or whatever. So we added like a lot of mouth sounds. I think one guy on my team went into the mic and was just like, and just kind of dubbed it and then put a whole bunch of different things on it to make it sound like a monster screeching. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. But we had to do mouth sounds for like a little Foley project. Anyway, I digress. Sorry about that. Um, Would we want to get into some of those reviews now? I think we should. Yeah. How much uh, good stuff do you have to say still? I no, I think I've gotten through pretty much at least the big stuff. There, I, I could go. We all know I could go on for hours talking about things I love about movies, but I think for the sake of big key points I want to hit today, I I got everything I wanted to say. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's about time then to dig into our bad reviews. Woo-woo. Bad reviews. <laughs> bad reviews. This is a four-star review on what was this again? Parasite. No, this is Letterbox. Uh, Letterbox. It's a four-star review on Letterbox. I will say it was kind of fun to go through and read these reviews because lots of them were so dumb. This but... looks like a good film or good good review. Okay, so let's get into it. Bong Joon Ho 
always manages to create films that somehow define genres and exist in a realm of their own. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about that a little bit. Parasite is no exception. It's a type of film that intrigues throughout its entire running time, as there is an unmistakable feel of it leading up to something. What that something is remains in a dark for a long time, not because of a cheap writing trick, but because of Bong Joon-ho's aforementioned talent for creating things that refuse to be niched. As long, sorry, as it's not really clear what you're watching, everything remains open, making it an absolute joy to watch. Um, there's a really huge amount to, there really is a huge amount to enjoy in this unique film, but it's not without its faults. To me, it felt like Bong Joon-ho overreached his grasp somewhat. With a build-up as great as this, the payoff needs to be equally impressive, and while it certainly packs a punch, it lacked the subtlety of the previous acts and somehow felt telegraphed too much. In and of itself, it is a well-crafted final act, but linked to what became before it, it just missed the mark for me. It's, it's almost what you were saying earlier. It's just how it kind of built up to something. and Yeah, that definitely goes into the whole what I was saying about you have this entire film that's all nuanced and and suspicious and and dark and and sneaky and kind of like conniving and then the final act just brings you into violence i definitely agree with this as saying the film as a whole and the film is not lesser because of how it ended but it definitely doesn't pay into the filmmaking techniques that it led into when it got to the violent portion so I agree. I would agree with the four-star review despite it as well, too. Hmm. So you didn't take away a whole bunch of stars. You just took away one. Yeah. Interesting. All, All right. right. We'll get into the second biggest decent one. Decent one. I forgot there was a decent one in the midst of the... Yeah, no, I like that one. I was... A, you know what? <laughs> out of all the reviews we've read and out of the reviews that we're going to read next... That one was very well articulated, I think. Yeah, well, they used a lot of our fancy words that we like to use. Yeah, we don't know the meanings. Okay, here's another one. This one starts out pretty aggressive. It disappoints me that so many people adore this movie. <laughs> I don't want to be discordant. Pardon me. I don't want to be a discordant opinion, especially because I stand in the total opposite camp. It's not as though as I simply didn't care for Parasite. I think it's a gross failure. I want to articulate what I have to say without coming off as condescending. This movie tricks its audience into believing what happens. The whole affair is false. Contrived. People don't actually behave like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, one thing about filmmaking is the whole point of films is that it's something that didn't happen that you're trying to convince your audience. It's a bit. It's like life outside of the normal life. You know, films aren't meant to be most films. There are a lot of realism films that are phenomenal, but a lot of films are meant for entertainment. They're meant to break the world that you live in a little bit so that they can tell a story, Mm -hmm. you know, like a good example. And I think we're going to get into one later is Marvel films. Right. Yeah. Uh, Let me not true. They feel realistic, but yeah, that makes sense. People don't actually behave like this. Marvel films. You know, like, do people Don't behave normally in Marvel films, no. you know? Anyway, let's continue. Um, well, can I say, though, it's that well, in this in this film, I don't think there is, like, maybe maybe that isn't that common for 
people to be con artists and stuff like that. But I don't think, um, well, I know what it's going to say next. So I'll just let you read that yeah. and then huh. I'll finish my point. I don't buy the argument that it's all a metaphor because it is, but metaphors, metaphors need to evince. It's an interesting word I've never seen before. Metaphors need to evince an underlying human truth. Parasite reveals nothing except a shallow estimation that wealthy people are gullible and to be resented, while poor people are devious and to be pitied. I don't fully agree with this. I think I think you can metaphor almost anything despite a human truth being present or not, because I think a metaphor can reference any experience in life. You know, maybe director Bong Joon-ho had this experience and he wanted to create this film as a metaphor for the experience that he went through, right? You know, I guess to just tie into the human truth line specifically, there's 7 billion humans yeah. on this planet just all with their own truth, you know? So I think... Just because it's not relatable to you doesn't mean it's unrealistic. No, exactly. And you know what? By all means, this this reviewer is probably speaking from his own truth, which is fair and understandable. But I personally disagree with what he said. I know maybe it wasn't this review. I thought it was. But one said that there were no one would ever be living in anyone's basement like that. I'm like, hmm. the first thing, I, my first response. I, I lived in my was, mom's basement for quite a while. <laughs> that was telling a, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was what I was going to say. I mean, well, I mean, that's Pete Davidson. But yeah. um, there is such thing as squatters. There's yeah. lots of times there's a house that has a, people hiding in it. I don't know. I don't think that, especially in a very poor, ridden place, that that is something that is that that unbelievable and i that was that was another one i guess but there was they were like so heavily like there is never anything like i really don't believe it. but anyways you make it to the rest of this is kind of just a little criticism of the director which i don't think is necessary um oh my god do like the end line um that was a really good movie we say and then toddle home to scroll through our phones and not off to sleep oh i thought i remember reading one that Ended like that, but it mentioned Fortnite. Anyway, let's move on to another. We read, oh, it's so funny how many reviews you read that I'm mixing them all up right now. Okay, this one's kind of a funny one. Half a star. Uh, <laughs> barely talks about the film. It's reviewing. Okay. This is half a star. <laughs> yeah. It's the lowest rating you can give on Letterboxd. <laughs> I tried watching it on a plane trip, and I got really bored. There was something about tutoring some Korean kid that likes dressing up like an Indian for some reason. I don't know. I put on Ford versus Ferrari instead. And I mean, wow, the Ford GT40 is such a cool car. I had so much trouble beating it in Gran Turismo 2 as a kid on classical Rome circuit. The AI actually rigs it by having that car exceed entry qualifications for horsepower. Anyway, America is still number one in motorsport and video games. <laughs> I feel I feel like this is a joke review. <laughs> yeah, right. Like to totally be a joke review. But if that, oh my gosh, I love. I when we first read that, it just got me so good. That's funny. It's just this has nothing to do with the movie. It was so ridiculous. Could you imagine being the director of like an Oscar-winning <laughs> film, and yeah. you decide one day, let's go to Letterboxd <laughs> and read our reviews, and then that pops up. I watched it on a plane. First off. Oh, yeah. Imagine watching any movie on a plane. Of course, you're not going to like it. 
oh man, I saw one movie on a plane once and I loved it. It was like, a, it was a movie I've never seen before. I don't remember what it was though. I remember like, when I, I love flying. This is a bit of a tangent. I love flying. When I get on a plane, I love to watch the clouds like out the window. This like m- the pretentious white man you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's getting cut. Oh. <laughs> Next review. <laughs> Next review. Ruin that bit. Let's get one thing straight. Parasite is phenomenal. It's a stunning, subtle, immensely powerful piece on class warfare and the nature of the human condition. It's also a tense, funny, extremely entertaining film that didn't feel its length at all. Go into it without knowing anything if you can. It made my viewing experience all the more exciting. But with that said, I didn't really like the ending. Tons of detail, character arcs, and storylines felt like they were dropped in an instant. And yeah, I know that was the point. But I'd be lying if I said the lack of resolution given to certain characters is something I'm happy about. Like for how well set up and intriguing Ki Jung's sociopathic tendencies are, that's what you do with her? I don't expect my disappointment with the ending to subside with time, but don't let that dissuade you from seeing this film. It's excellent, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. It's pretty much everything Jordan Peele's Us should have been. Interesting. What? Interesting. Consider it. I don't remember that part of it. I skimmed through so many. That's funny. Um, Let's not talk about that part, because you know how we feel about <laughs> you know us. You know how we feel about us. I agree. I mean, this is very much a. I agree. This is very much a similar comment to the first one we read. Um, I I will yeah I will agree that maybe, Ki Jung was wasted. Her death was wasted. She was just stabbed. Yeah, I agree. Um. But I think. I'm trying to think like if it was anyone else like would, I guess they probably would, but, I was gonna say would um everyone else respond like that like the reason it like it being her got them like got the response like if it was just like if it was miss kim or miss kim not miss kim miss park they wouldn't have gone running up to her um but it would have to have been one of the family members but yeah it it was quite anticlimactic but i don't think overall the arcs were dropped because i think well, that's pretty much where most of the arcs kind of were wrapped up with, um, you know, I, I, Kitek kind of. Can I jump in on that? I think it was necessary for her to die there because all of the arcs aside from hers needed to be wrapped up. You know, the dad, Kitek, that was like the thing, right? Like you mentioned earlier. It was the thing that broke him. It was Mr. Park caring more about his son who fainted over the woman who was just stabbed, right? Now, he is unknowing that it was Kitek's daughter. Right. But that was... Nonetheless. That was the little, like, check mark on the box for, for Mr. Kim that really pushed him over the edge. It's like, this guy really doesn't care about this woman who was just stabbed at his own son's birthday party, who's helped his son through all this stuff right and the art tutoring all that jazz so i think it was very it was very necessary for her to go out that way unfortunate because she was such a great character and she deserved a better end to it i feel i do i kind of do agree though that maybe 
I don't think this person was saying that, but maybe the women in this film didn't have that much arcs. Like, um, Miss Kim and then Ki Jong didn't really have much arc. So that was a bit missed opportunity. Because I, I, maybe it's something I didn't notice. I'm not saying dismissing that they didn't have one. Because I just noticed the rock and the... Yeah, um, those are definitely the heavy hitters of the whole movie, right? But, but uh, maybe missed opportunity there. We got one more review here. One half star. I can't believe I ever liked this movie. What was I thinking? Overacted, lack of diversity in the cast, and there were no standout performances. The plot jumps all over the place from one genre to the next, and there are so many plot holes. Sorry, there are so many plot holes? Is there a question? (laughs) Yeah. Would anyone ever really be living under someone's house? Ah, there it is. That's just blatantly unrealistic. It preaches these themes of class struggles and self-worth, but it's just an overinflated ego boost for Bong Joon-ho. Not looking forward to whatever projects anyone involved with this movie has next. A hard half star for Paradise. That's a brutal review. Brutal review. I'd like to hear the plot holes that they... And because even like the, I don't know. We even, even I didn't yeah. catch many plot holes. There's like one or two small. Unless things. it's just the like the unrealistic. They don't know what squatters are. Yeah. Uh, that was brutal. That was I brutal. don't agree. I also I love the diversity of the. <laughs> yeah. There's no diversity in the cast. You're watching a foreign film, shot in, <laughs> in Korea, in and you're you want people who aren't Korean. I mean, I understand diversity in a, in a Western audience, in a Western film, is is important nowadays. There was a German family in the movie. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, I just think that's a little silly. It is, I think. In it, a diverse movie, it is. Anyways, whatever. Not to rip into this reviewer, no. because they're definitely entitled to what they feel. We're reading reviews. That's, yeah. But I disagree. I think the acting... Let's break it down into the actual filmmaking categories. The acting was phenomenal. I think the acting was very well done. Um, very very subtle performances yeah. that kind of went unmissed. That's most things with film is you, unless you don't want to notice it, because if you don't notice it, it's good. If you notice it, it's usually not good. And this film specifically is very theatrical. It is very over the top. So even in an essence... An overact in this world, I think, is appropriate because it's it fits the entire story that exists within this world that Bong Joon Ho has created. Um, it gives it that extra punch, like when some faints rather than like goes just faints. I think it adds to the theatricalness of the story. Yeah, it plays it plays its part very well. Plot jumps. Next point, the plot jumps all over from one genre to the next. I disagree. I think it's like maybe the action at the end is goes full thriller. Yeah. But I think it stays pretty thriller, pretty drama the whole time. Yeah. It's it's a drama with comedy thrown in. Um and it's also not unfitting comedy, you know. It's it's Usually comedies used in thrillers to relieve the tension. We talked about that in us for sure. Yeah, comedy but, is comedy and comedy and tension go hand in hand. 
right? It's you can't have you shouldn't have one without the other in my opinion. A good thriller is a funny has funny moments. Anyway, folks, that was just a little quick review of, mm-hmm. of the negative reviews we found for Parasite. The mixed reviews reviews. Yeah, the mixed <laughs> reviews reviews. I that. think that's, you know what, I think that's a very good part of the the show. Is, is, is well, seeing reviews and not just talking about the filmmaker's aspect, but the audience aspect. Yeah, I think really. it fits well. I can't say I watch movies the same <laughs> since I don't I've learned either. filmmaking, but... It's. I've definitely learned that this is a challenge for me to do, and to remain, because I have to remain, um, unbiased. But I have to be biased, right? To remain unbiased because I'm looking for bad things. So it's. I can't just look at things I don't like. I have to remain unbiased in what everyone wouldn't like. You know. So it's kind of. It's a fun little moment of of realization about filmmaking and it's i think it's making me a better filmmaker because it's keeping my eyes peeled for things that i would change in my own filmmaking i think that's a good place to wrap up i think so too overall what would you call parasite would it would be uh mixed reviews uh what would you call a mixed reviews review of parasite here i think it's a very good movie i think well it's on my list of favorites i have I don't have a favorite. I have a very big list of favorites because all my favorites are so drastically different. I love them for so many reasons. This movie for its its storytelling, its um, visual storytelling, I think is it's up there. I remember when we we wanted to get you to watch it, and you were a little hesitant. Well, I was hesitant because the subtitles, and I was worried I was going to miss so much. And I remember convincing you to watch it and give it a shot, and you ended up taking it to the hills and you loved it so much and I, yeah i went and bought the movie too and everything i loved it so much so i'm glad we we were able to have that uh moment with each other <laughs> that's one we didn't watch a lot of movies together at that time but that it's kind of funny that full circle this is one of the movies we first watched together and then here we are yeah reviewing. Well, right. thanks tom for joining Thank you for having me <laughs> again. I know I said that in the fifty fifty <laughs> podcast that I also helped help with. <laughs> I don't know what. Anyways, uh, thank you to the viewer for joining us, for hanging out and uh, listening to us talk about one of our favorite movies. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the Patreon and hear the long version with lots more tangents and and more rambling. Dives. And I think we got a little educational. When we the stuff we kind of take out is usually educational stuff yeah. about film. Yeah, so, you you you'd get the the Patreon if you want to learn little insights to how filmmaking works, right? So if that's something you're interested in, definitely check it out. Uh, Patreon is is a wonderful thing. You know, it helps us create content for you guys, so we can get better, higher quality, more education out to the people who want it. You can build a little set in the corner of our apartment for us to record a podcast. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Thanks for coming. Adios. Adios. Nap time. <laughs> Mixed reviews. Mixed reviews.
Thank you.